Raise community, thank you for joining us today on the Raise podcast for this special COVID-19 edition. No one has been through what we're going through right now, and we don't have all the answers. But we're committed to learning from each other and sharing best practices for remote fundraising, working from home, and navigating this uncertainty. We're asking advancement leaders to share what they're doing and offer a real-time window into how they're pivoting their strategies in today's environment. I hope you find this helpful. Here we go. Josh, welcome. Thank you in the midst of all of this for uh, making time. Um, I think most uh, uh, of our audience would be familiar with Emory, but if you wouldn't mind uh, just giving us a quick overview of, uh, of, of who you are, uh, what the Emory organization looks like, uh, and then I look forward over the next 30 minutes, we're going to keep this quick, just getting a window into uh, the rapid decision-making that you've been uh, having to navigate both at a university level, but also at an advancement uh, level. Thank you. Uh, Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I uh, came in as SVP um, here a year and a half ago after having spent 10 years here previously um, with uh, five years in between up at the University of Connecticut. Um, Emory is a tier one research university. Uh, what's very interesting, of course, during these times is we have a major healthcare system. Uh, in addition to our nine schools uh, and units across the university. So a very complex system. Uh, my team uh, in advancement alumni engagement uh, is uh, over 300 strong. Uh, so a pretty large and complex team of both uh, central, uh, centralized staff as well as decentralized uh, staff within our schools and units, uh, all working collaboratively together uh, in support of the university. Well, thank you. And, and I um, just want to start by saying um, that we have had the opportunity to work with several hundred advancement leaders. Uh, and Josh has always been uh, willing to innovate, try new concepts. We're, we're grateful to be partnered with him and his colleagues. But uh, at the same time, for uh, your background and expertise and the connectivity of this advancement space, Nobody has gone through what we've gone through over the last couple of weeks. And what we talked about in our previous uh, version of this series is that anybody who's pretending that there's a playbook um, is probably lying to you, okay? We, we've all been having to invent a playbook in our respective organizations. And I, I think the more we can give a candid view into um, where your mindset was two weeks ago as you were gearing up for your giving day and how rapidly... Uh, you uh, received new pieces of incomplete information and what kind of decisions you've made uh, and, and, and I think where we go from here. So why don't you just take me back two weeks ago, what you were thinking about and, and how things unfolded. Yeah, no, Brent, I think that's a, a great story just to talk about a three, four day period. Um, uh, two weeks ago, this past Tuesday, um, we launched our giving day, uh, which was planned for upcoming on April 2nd. Uh, on Wednesday, we had our annual Board of Visitors meeting with former Board of Visitors member, uh, members, uh, our local corporate leader uh, with about 30% alumni, but it's, uh, it's a board that people spend three years on, and we have an annual meeting, about 200 people on Wednesday. Um, before I walked into the meeting, I got an email from a colleague saying that, you know, the students are making fun of you on giving day uh, when the university has been back from spring break. I'm like, what's going on? And at that point, we had heard that several universities had uh, 
moved to virtual learning uh, a day or two earlier than us. Um, I was at the Board of Education meeting with our featured speaker. Uh, she pulled me aside and said, I just want to give you a heads up tonight. We're going to announce the, uh, that we're going to, you know, extend spring break for a week and going to virtual classes. Um, I left that meeting and got on a plane to New York. Yes, New York, um, kind of the epicenter now where I was spending several days in donor visits. Um, at 9.30, while I was at a donor dinner, the uh, came out, uh, they were spending, uh, and my team, at 7.30 the next morning, we had a leadership team call uh, to talk about how our division was going to respond, um, and was very pleased that by 10 o'clock on Thursday, uh, we had a message to the division that starting the next day, uh, we were going to move to a remote working environment for those who were able. Uh, and that everyone is remote uh, as, as soon as possible. Um, and Friday, uh, literally um, two, three days into this, um, we had a senior leaders call across my organization. So uh, on Friday morning, we gathered 50 of our leaders and leaders for a Zoom call. Uh, and for the last two weeks, three days a week, our leadership team meets at eight o'clock. Uh, two days a week, uh, the entire managers meet at eight o'clock, uh, and we have updates. Um, you know, Brent, as I was sharing with you in advance, um, I've started to see a sea change that you know, we were doing the crisis, uh, how to move to remote, the needs of our employees, uh, how people were going to continue to do their work. We had only canceled events for uh, two, three weeks at that point. Uh, and then, of course, days in, we had canceled all events through commencement. Uh, and now have canceled all events through the end of May, uh, and we've continued to evolve. But much of that conversation has moved from, uh, you know, coronavirus uh, and the impact it's now had on all of us to how we're going to continue our over the next few months and recalibrating our activity as a team uh, as we look forward. Josh, I appreciate that overview. I want to just note um, there is a little bit of a, of a audio issue that we're having. Um, I don't know if you've got uh, anything uh, that, that you can do as far as shutting down other windows and, and so forth. I think we're all trying to navigate our home internet situations right now, but um, uh, we're, we're making most of, of what, you're, uh, what you're saying, but if there's, um, hopefully we can, uh, we, we can hear you clear um, as this advances. Uh, if, you're, if you don't mind me asking, I, I think one of the big challenges that every leadership team has to address is the variety of stakeholders that you need to think about, right? You, you have, uh, as a leader, uh, not just of your organization, but of the university, you've got student stakeholders, you've got faculty stakeholders, you've got broader employees of the university, you've got your existing donors, trustees, board, et cetera, and then you've got your advancement staff as well. And I think um, it's probably been tricky um, given that it seems like at least uh, so much of the initial focus has had to be on students, has had to just be on getting prepared for online learning in about a 10-day period, that it probably has felt, I don't know, maybe a little bit lonely at times for staff members or, uh, you know, how do you think about balancing your messaging? And I'm struggling with the same thing, right? I mean, I've got uh, customers, I've got board members, investors, my team, my management team, and, and I guess how do you think about prioritizing your communication 
and, and that kind of crisis response across those stakeholders in such a short amount of time. You're on mute right now. Um, so if you come off mute. Yep. yep. Uh, hopefully the sound will be a little better uh, as I move forward. Uh, Brent, I think that's, uh, as I was speaking earlier, I think the way we organized ourselves as a team, while I was sitting on university, uh, broader uh, contextual issues uh, and uh, governance issues, my team was also meeting on a daily basis where we were able uh, to really address those issues and to divide responsibilities. Um, to give you some great examples, um, our head of principal gifts uh, took the lead in really developing uh, an informational document uh, for our top donors, our foundation community here in Georgia. Uh, within uh, days, we were on the phone with five foundation leaders. Um, and then the day after that, they got um, from across the community. Can you hear me? We can hear you, Josh. Um, it looks like Mike has uh, stopped your video to see if that helps improve the, uh, the audio. But, got it. But let's keep going. And we've got some really good questions coming in as well, which we'll jump to. Okay. So um, we, we um, spent a great deal of time uh, dividing up those responsibilities, Brent, um, with our principal gifts team taking the lead with our top donors and developing information sheets. That community has now asked for that document from Emory uh, on a weekly basis so that we can able uh, provide them updates on testing, uh, research that we're doing, equipment needs, uh, and the various things across our organization. Um, at the same time, our VP and our AVPs developed talking points uh, for our frontline development officers, uh, initially focusing their activity uh, inwardly on uh, really doing some portfolio maintenance, uh, updating and getting their information in the system, updating proposals, uh, really trying to better utilize their time uh, internally uh, not being as proactive in our gift conversations and really allowing that to be driven by the donors. Yep. Um, we have been fortunate that we've had a few gifts continue to close, but uh, I, I, I'll be very candid to say that the majority of our gift conversations in particular um, at the six figure and above level um, have all but stalled at this point. Um, uh, and Josh, around on that note, can I just ask, because, you know, I could see there being, an opportunity to sort of not dance around that. I mean, could you proactively reach out? Let's say that you were my prospect and we've been talking about a big gift. You know, Josh, I hope you're doing okay. I'm going to assume that now is not the right time to keep talking about that gift. I mean, do you just hit it head on and let them counter if it actually still is the right time or do you just kind Absolutely. of go on pause? No, absolutely, Brian. I mean, I think um, to the point you're making, um, again, we tried to in those very early first few days, refocus our team's activity. But uh, the next step in that process is exactly what you just outlined. Uh, we have asked people to use this opportunity to really reach out to all of their portfolio and their leadership volunteers and to continue to check in to pe with people. And of course, given our healthcare system, uh, our medical school, our public health school, we're also providing uh, an information sheet and trying to be a resource for people uh, around COVID-19 and really seeing ourselves, we did webinars. We did a webinar for insiders, uh, donors, uh, school and unit board leaders. Last week, we had 378 people sign up within 24 hours. And Josh, can I ask, had you ever done that before? 
Uh, we had done some, but not to that extent and not with that kind of 24-hour turnaround. Um, Brent, on top of that, we did a Facebook live chat with one of our public health faculty members. Um, yeah. And in a week's time, it's had 52,000 views. Uh, we put him back up this past Tuesday, and it's had 14,000 views just in the last 48 hours. So you talk about shifting to digital programming. Um, we've already talked about um, that being a more significant part of our activity moving forward uh, in, a way, in an elevated way as compared to what it was uh, prior to the last couple of weeks. I love it. I was just speaking with Brian Hastings, who's the CEO at the University of Nebraska Foundation yesterday. And he said that I believe it was last Thursday they put forth an invitation to their top supporters to join a conversation between him and the president or the chancellor of the Nebraska system. And they had something like 400 of their top donors tune in. They'd never done that sort of thing before. You know, it would have been a, a gala that, you know, everybody had to come to. And, and, and so it really has been a catalyst to hopefully reshape the way that we communicate with our supporters across the Giving Pyramid going forward. No, no question. I mean, between, you know, as I said, very similar numbers, 378 people showing up in 24 hours, uh, the Facebook live chats, but we also, Brian, have instituted, um, I sent out an email to our alumni and donor community that Sunday, four or five days in. We followed that up with a communication last Wednesday, and we had another one go out this past Tuesday. So we're trying to do uh, email communication to provide updates. Uh, as you might imagine, our open rates and click-through rates are uh, sky high because people are looking for information. They're also sitting home uh, and looking for that kind of uh, engagement. But we're going beyond COVID-19, right? We're also looking at this as an opportunity to put out other content. I mean, we've got, uh, as, as most universities do, uh, experts in various fields uh, and people are sitting home. So we're trying, we just yesterday announced a series of, I believe it was six different webinars. Uh, again, not something we had traditionally done uh, over the next four weeks. Uh, to engage people more uh, through digital engagement uh, in the coming weeks ahead. I love it. And um, Mike, if you could make me, uh, if you could enable me to share my screen, uh, if possible, if you can't, that's okay. But I just did want to highlight as well that, uh, Josh, you yourself put out a video to your donor population. And uh, if we can't um, share that right now, we will link to it. But, uh, or Mike, maybe you could Google it as well. Um, I loved that you did that, and it was also a very relaxed um, kind of format. And um, uh, just what was the catalyst for you to put out that uh, that message? And it is right on the. Um, uh, it's called an update from Josh Newton, Mike. Um, if you want me to share, or else, uh, yeah, it's right here. Thanks everybody for rolling with us. But hopefully, you all can see that now on my screen. Uncertain time for all of us. So I won't play it, but um, I love this, Josh, because what you shared here uh, basically is what the university is doing, um, what's going on. It's the same version uh, of what I've seen in text format from so many of your peers. What was the catalyst for you to make a video? How'd you do that? And uh, any perspective on how it was received? Yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was a desire to provide a little more um, you know, higher touch to our community. Clearly, we're all being bombarded with emails and information, and we're doing that as well, as I had noted, uh, but trying to have the opportunity to really get in front of people. And 
Um, of course, no surprise. Uh, I was bombarded last night after that went out and this morning with lovely notes from uh, people that I know uh, in our alumni community around the country uh, and people thanking me for just being a calm voice, as they said, uh, during all of this. But it really was just intended uh, to try to get out in front of our community in a different way. Uh, and to engage with them during this time where we know everything that we're going to be doing with them for the most part will be digital. I would encourage the audience to just Google that and update from Josh Newton. Watch it. It's about a minute and 30 seconds. And if you're, lead if you're in a position to encourage your leadership team to do that sort of thing, uh, it really does stand out from some of the more written um, responses that you might um, see come out of, uh, you know, from a, from a communications uh, and, and, and uh, public relations perspective. I do want to be sensitive of time. We have some really good questions coming in, Josh. There's one here uh, from Miro that uh, I'm curious about, and I wasn't actually familiar with this. So uh, if, if, if you are, great. If not, we'll do some follow-up research. But Miro asked, if the stimulus package passes, which I believe it has now, it contains a provision for 2020, that allows donors to deduct charitable cash gifts up to 100% of adjusted gross income. Will you use that to leverage major gift asks? Are you familiar with that, Josh, or any other implications from a, from a stimulus perspective? Uh, I'm not aware of that specific, and that's interesting. I was on an executive committee call of our board of trustees this morning where our head of governmental relations actually walked through uh, the stimulus package. I guess it's been through the Senate. The, the House will vote tomorrow at 9 a.m., so I understand. Um, and yet uh, she did not highlight that one. Obviously, with a massive healthcare system like ours, uh, a lot of her points that she pulled out of the stimulus package were focused on that. Uh, but I can certainly tell you just in a quick reaction to that, uh, I certainly would leverage that um, as I think about moving forward. Uh, none of us know in uh, three months or six months where the market's going to be uh, or how it may actually flip to our favor. Uh, and, and for me, I think that uh, as we step back and yet continue conversations and engagement with our, with our top-end donors, uh, as well as our broad-based donors, uh, I would certainly want to leverage that type of a resource, and I would see that very much as a resource for us to engage with our major and principal gift donors uh, once all this is behind us uh, in a very thoughtful way. Much like we would, uh, Brent, have leveraged you know, IRA rollovers when it was year to year before that was passed permanently, uh, I would certainly take something like that in a stimulus bill uh, and target certain donor populations uh, in, in thoughtful and creative ways to to elevate giving, um, actually, and particularly in support of some of these things. I mean, we have people now saying, what are you guys doing in drug discovery and research, uh, an area where we had not been as successful in our fundraising before? Um, and I see some of that changing significantly uh, post this crisis, where people are going to want to be invested in some things that maybe weren't on their radar previously. Love it. Uh, really tactical question. What constituency segments did your video go to? Was it the whole Emory alumni and donor community? Uh, correct. Uh, so uh, alumni donors uh, and friends of the university. Uh, in fact, I received a note from a friend who I didn't even know was on our mailing list who had gotten the note. So clearly uh, from our uh, you know, database standpoint, uh, it's, it's an alumni newsletter, but it was shared broadly with our constituents. Yeah, great. Um, 
here's an interesting question from Adam Fentress at the University of Virginia. While a lot of the focus the last couple of weeks has been on updating donors, right? Take care of the existing portfolio, check in, hit pause perhaps on some of the um, uh, solicitation. At the same time, um, uh, you know, Adam is curious to know, when do you think it's appropriate to start having active discovery conversations? How do you do that tactfully? Uh, you know, for somebody in Adam's role, you can't just sort of sit around and, and wait too long, or, or do you have to? So you talked about phase one really being just crisis response, setting up the infrastructure to run your office, your organization, the university. Now you're in this refocus and recalibrate phase. If you were, uh, if, if you were Adam, how would you think about that? Yeah, no, Brent, great question. I can use a real life example. Um, prior to two weeks ago, I was in a conversation with two different donors. Both had committed a million dollar gift. Um, and in both cases, uh, I had shared the gift agreement uh, as a draft with the donors, uh, but we had not mailed the final copies. Uh, I was teed up to reach out to both of them to say, are, you, are we ready to move forward with uh, uh, final drafts and, and signatures? Uh, and to your point earlier uh, that we were getting to, uh, I reached out to both those individuals, but I basically checked in and said, how are you doing? Right? One of them said, um, I'm doing great. Um, actually, um, this particular donor uh, said that he believed that he was in the 12th day of having um, uh, coronavirus himself. Uh, and he said, um, have you mailed me the gift agreement yet? Uh, we're ready to get that signed. We want to get it done. Um, he did it and he scanned it and mailed it, emailed it back to me yesterday uh, and told me that the first check for $200,000 is on the way. Um, the other donor I called and had the same conversation with, um, and they are just sideways with this and really overwhelmed, uh, a lot of things going on in their family, with work, um, and there was no talk of gift agreement. They were not in the mood to talk about it. They did not want to move that conversation forward. Uh, and Brent, to me, that's the work we do in this business, right? That we, we engage with our donors, we build these relationships, and we listen, right? And in one case, the donor was very much wanting to move the conversation forward uh, and did. Uh, and yet in the other conversation, um, it, it, it was very clear to me uh, that pushing on that particular part of our dialogue, because obviously that had been much of our conversation over the last several weeks, uh, was not something I did. So I think that is, uh, for me, an example of how I will go about my work over the weeks ahead. Uh, at least until we come out the other side of this. Uh, and again, I, like probably the rest of us, I'm watching the market on a daily basis. Right. You know, if the market bounces, uh, I'm willing to be a little more aggressive six weeks from now in terms of the conversation. Uh, the market's still flat and down six, 7,000 points, uh, depending on the type of donor I'm working with. Uh, I might continue to have that how are you doing conversation and let them drive a little bit in terms of how they're thinking about the gift conversation uh, before I push. Um, again, the market's rebounding. Uh, we're in a different place. I'm probably going to be a little more aggressive in those conversations. Yeah. So that, that's just a little look into how I personally think about those kind of conversations uh, and approach it in my own work. That's fair. Um, as you think about different segments of donors, we had a question come in. Uh, where somebody wrote, yay, Josh, how can we continue to engage our older donors prospects who are unable to use video chat or attend virtual events? And I, I, I just, I read that and I just wonder how many people are really like that at this point? Uh, when you think about how grandparents and great grandparents are 
forcing to, you know, being forced to adopt, adopt new technology, just like the rest of us. Um, do you have a concern about being unable to reach a certain uh, demographic through digital? Um, yes and no. I mean, Brent, for me, is I'm going to offer digital to everyone, regardless of age. You know, it's the 84-year-old who probably texts me more than any one of my prospects. Uh, and right? I, I literally text, true? not email. I'm getting texts constantly um, from it. this 84-year-old uh, donor. And yet, um, you know, I've got, a, you know, a 55-year-old on a call I was just on who couldn't figure out how to get their video to work for our, for our meeting. So what I try to do is offer the technology and yet through our consistent work with portfolio management, encourage our gift officers to reach out to everyone in their portfolio. And yes, for whatever reason, Brent, in our business, picking up the phone seems to be the thing that's the hardest to do. It's real, you know, easy to send that email. It seems now easier even to get on Zoom. Uh, but picking up that phone is something I think we're going to have to do during this period uh, just to make sure. And I think we're going to learn uh, who's showing up. But uh, I'll tell you, in those 378 people a couple of weeks ago, you would have been surprised if we probably would have done an age demographic sort uh, at the number of older donors uh, who actually joined in for that, uh, for that call and for that Zoom that we did. So... Uh, I think we have to, to be a little more flexible and give our folks a little more credit. Completely agree. Um, I guess, uh, what am I missing? What are the other hot topics? You know, you, you, you've mentioned before, uh, you've got a really strong network through just how connected uh, advancement leaders are around the country. Uh, everybody sort of knows everybody, but are there other ideas you've heard of or uh, uh, peers that you're collaborating with where, where you're frankly turning to for advice right now? Yeah, I, I think, Brent, you know, one of the things we're all, that, that I've seen a lot of us doing that uh, for me, I mean, we did obviously, I guess it goes uh, without saying, cancel our upcoming Giving Day on April 2nd. Uh, and yet so much of our work continues to focus on building our base, right? We're all concerned about, uh, well, and many of our presidents and provosts and deans are concerned about alumni donor counts and uh, and the like. So how do you address something like, like that in this moment? And, and I think we have to be flexible in how we approach those conversations. So yes, we have our hardship funds for our students, faculty, and staff. Um, but, you know, one of the things that has really ignited people on our side is we, because of our health system, we have uh, healthcare workers working around the clock. Uh, and we were spending uh, a ton of money feeding our healthcare workers. We have had donors step forward, uh, alumni, friends alike, uh, not only to support initiatives like that, for whom that never would have been a solicitation strategy, uh, to the point that we now have people offering uh, to support uh, box meals for a family of four for the healthcare workers to be able to take home to their families. So you find yourselves even going beyond the margins of what you ordinarily might have considered uh, and the populations that you might have considered offering those kind of philanthropic opportunities to because of the moment. Uh, and to me, uh, I'm trying to give, I mean, and, and if you look at the video, really what I talked about is people are looking for an outlet right now. They're looking for an outlet in terms of a way to be a part of this. Um, you know, can I make a mask on my sewing machine in some communities I've been seeing on the news? Uh, or can I, you know, provide food to healthcare workers or support a student uh, who's come on hard times because of this or a faculty member? Um, so we're trying to be adaptable in how we think about that. 
Um, and and again, we've done it mostly through social rather than hard push out emails for solicitations, uh, but that'll come in the days ahead. We will be a little more aggressive in actually pushing out those communications rather than just having them as a part of our social messaging. Uh, it actually will be more direct solicitation to our constituents. Josh, let me ask you one final question that came in. Uh, somebody wrote a great response or great question, Adam. Before this really blew up, when I suggested virtual visits to a few of our regional DOs, I was met with looks like I was crazy. And so you've always been willing to innovate and test new concepts, but at the same time, you recognize that it isn't like that everywhere. And what advice would you have um, around how to embrace this moment of change? I mean, this is really uh, a rare opportunity where all of a sudden things that seemed crazy two weeks ago or the new normal. Um, and what kind of attitude do you want from your colleagues right now? I mean, what would you recommend others try to do in this moment? Yeah, I, I, that's a great question, Brent. I'm glad it came up. Um, the leadership team on my team was actually discussing virtual visits and how we start to think about that. Uh, and, and we're about to move forward. Uh, and again, if some of my team is on the call, they're going to hear some things. But, uh, we actually talked about uh, the virtual visit at the leadership team. At the same time, our three AVPs managing our school-based uh, and unit-based teams came forward with a memo to the leadership team to essentially recommend the exact same thing. Uh, so we will be implementing a new visit class called virtual visit. Um, and again, this is gonna change our work going forward because that'll be a permanent visit class and it'll be counted equal to a visit. Um, so we're putting in those types of, uh, uh, you know, in the moment, uh, new processes and uh, ways of thinking about our work. Uh, and yet the need for those that work to still be substantive uh, remains a part of the conversation. Awesome. Josh, thank you for your time. Everyone, I'd encourage you to look Josh up on LinkedIn. Uh, feel free to connect with me. He's also uh, on Instagram. He does a great job on social media showcasing what's going on uh, in the Emory community. And of course, email addresses are available as well. Uh, Josh, thanks for uh, uh, being uh, able to nimbly adapt to our uh, video bandwidth issues and uh, appreciate uh, you taking time today and uh, best wishes as you and your colleagues continue to navigate these times. Absolutely, my pleasure, Brent. Sorry about the sound issues at the beginning, but uh, pleased to do this. All good, take care.